Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take one uh, fandom of a book, movie, TV show, whatever it is, and cross it over with another fandom. and um, Narrative context yeah, thing. Yeah, make a, d- a delicious mixed fandom pie out Be- of everything. World-building sandwich. Yeah, mm, delicious. Yeah. But, Annie, I have another question for you. What? How do you feel about hunks? Oh, yeah. This is the special beefcake edition. Big, greasy slabs of beef. Oh, yeah. Made animate flesh. And dancing for your satisfaction. Or fighting. Or fighting for, I don't know, Scotland or something? The prize, which is, as we'll get into, never really that well defined. No. (laughs) The oldie MacGuffins. What are we mashing up tonight? Today, we are mashing up Magic Mike and Highlander. Which also puts us at two weeks in a row of having a double M title of modifier name. If only we had crossed over Mad Max and Magic Mike. Mad Max, Magic Mike. Um, that would also be a big one. Um, Actually, yeah, I would be interested to see that crossover. Yeah, but I'm even more interested to see this crossover. Oh, totally. Because, who oh boy, do we have some different ideas of masculinity and just yeah. aesthetics Well, I think going they're going to have a lot to talk about in this crossover. Yeah, I guess a lot of classically masculine aesthetics happening. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy, why don't you tell us about Magic Mike to get started off? Uh, first of all, I need to, I just before we started this, I asked Walt, what does <laughs> oh, Annie... Sorry. Did you not feel appreciated <laughs> enough? <laughs> oh, I'm going to tell everybody. <laughs> what does Matt, What does uh, Channing Tatum put on his cereal? I, I don't know, Annie. What does Channing Tatum put on his cereal? Magic milk! <laughs> I'm so clever. <laughs> oh, Annie. There it is, everybody. Yep. For posterity. Yep. <laughs> So um, that gets you started for our description of Magic Mike, Yay. which is a 2012 film starring Channing Tatum centered around the world of male stripping. It was loosely based on Tatum's experiences as a young stripper in Florida. Um, so Channing Tatum, you're really in- leading an interesting life. He's got stories to tell. He does. Um, the movie was both a critical and commercial success, which we, you know, seems to connect well with the tagline, work it all day, work it all night. So as either yes one. to both. Yeah. It, it's doing yes everything. and yes. So in this case, are critics the day and audiences the night? Yeah. Because yeah. critics probably go during the day to see movies. That's true. They because, have those screeners. Yeah, they, the I mean, nerds. Yeah, right. It's their job. Yeah. And then audiences have to go to their, their normal jobs and then go see movies. And they'd be creatures of the night. Yeah. Vampires is what we're saying. This yeah. movie was big in the vampire sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were just like, mm, all those big muscle mm, bags of blood. Blah. Strippers. Blah. Yeah. <laughs> Take off your clothes. It's easier to bite your neck. Seriously. We're doing real well this episode. Yeah, we're staying very on target. I like it. 
Uh, so the story follows Mike of the Magic Mikes, um, who nice. <laughs> yes, who that's uh, similar to Max of the Mad Maxes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We we're getting all the major families here. Exactly. <laughs> um, and Mike works odd jobs by day and dances at the exquisite strip club by night. How is exquisite spelled? It's with there's no e. It's big X. No. But they're probably taking e. Well, see, that's part of the story. Oh man, yeah, they're looking for the e. Looking for that big E? It's like the legends of Cur- legend of Curly's Gold. It's the legend of Exquisite's E. Yeah. That's um that's the prequel starring Matthew McConaughey. Anyway, we're about thirty seconds into the movie right now. Yep. <laughs> that's the title sequence. Um so Mike meets Adam, who's a young guy looking for construction work, and he suggests that Adam try working at the strip club with him. Adam's sister, Brooke, is not a fan of the idea, but Mike promises to keep an eye out for him. And an eye out for Brooke because she's hella cute. Hey, Brooke. Hi. Unfortunately, Adam gets heavy into stripping and partying. He partners with the exquisite DJ to sell drugs to clients and gets in big trouble when Mike and club owner Dallas with Mike and club owner Dallas when he gives ecstasy to a sorority girl client oh, no. and chaos ensues. Oh. Bad choices, Adam. Yes, yeah, seriously. Like real bad choices. Mm-hmm. Um Meanwhile, Mike is also dealing with struggles of his own. He wants to quit stripping and open a custom furniture store, um, kind of like the the guy in um, Sex and the City, Aiden. Like, oh. yeah, that's a real good wow. good career for big hunky guys, for dudes. In, yeah, in, right. For sexualized dudes, exactly. <laughs> for your secret boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Um, but unfortunately, Mike can't get a loan to start a business, and his income is dependent on his stripping money. Mm-hmm. Um, so he cannot work his way into another field because while also leaving. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, the the movie goes into these interesting questions of like economic depression and financial yeah. issues. Um, and the thing so, that he's good at doesn't carry over into like quote respectable society. Yeah. Such. yeah. Um, and you can't like move from there. You're not like, I'm mm-hmm. going to like be, be a normal job person with my stripper money. I have like a thousand single dollar bills yeah. right here. It's not a corporate ladder. No, it's, it's a really big, not. tall, greasy pole. Yeah. <laughs> Just grab onto that. <laughs> yep. Slide on down. <laughs> it's gonna be a long one it really in (laughs) um so adam tells mike that the drugs that he lost as part of the sorority debacle were actually worth ten thousand dollars not one thousand dollars like he originally said and now the drug guys are after adam for the money because of course adam right i mean come on adam um mike gives adam basically all of his money so adam won't die by drug-fueled stupidity well that's very nice of mike it is like mike is a real stand-up guy Mm -hmm. um frustrated with the greed and the bad choices that exquisite mike leaves the club before his final performance Uh, mike connects with brooke and they make with the kisses oh bittersweet but kissing yeah like it's a real bittersweet i think that's a great word moment um as mike is kind of coming to terms with um his his environment and yeah. kind of what hard choices he has to make and ne- needing to move on. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that it's not like a classic, like addiction narrative where like he's not engaged in the dangerous behavior, but no. he's in a world where that's yeah. so part and of it. And he makes his own bad choices too. Sure. Um, but yeah, so much of it is about him like trying to escape this world while there also aren't many choices for him yeah. outside of it. Like, you know, he goes to the bank in one scene and is like, I have some money and they, they're just like, we, we don't, there's no security here. There, yeah. yeah. And you're like, no, but he makes such good furniture. Yeah, Look at his so face. He's so good at dancing. Dance it out, buddy. Aww. 
Um, so the characters in this are obviously Magic Mike Lane, played by Channing Tatum, in like his real breakout role. Um, he is way more talented and funny than someone who looks like him has a right to be. Yeah, I remember you coming. I think I, I called you on the phone after you had watched this movie, and you yeah. were like incredulous because it yeah. was your first thing that you'd see Channing Tatum. Yeah, in. And, and he was like he has great comic timing. Mm-hmm. Like he's so phenomenal as a performer. I was like, oh, it's this fun movie about. Dude, strippers. Sure, I'll watch that. Yeah. And then I was like, Channing Tatum, you're a seriously talented person. Mm-hmm. Um, so props. I'm sorry I doubted you. Yeah. Um, there's Adam, the young male stripper who makes real bad choices. Like a number of young male strippers do, I'm sure. Yeah. And like he's, you know, like 20 years old. So I think he's like that guy you would know from like college who's just, again, like a total wreck. Mm-hmm. And you're like, no, how did you think this would be a good idea? Yeah, and he looks great. And so he's coasting to some extent oh, yeah. on that. But yeah, it's like he's he, lived consequence-free he, in a lot oh, of Oh, exactly. And now you're deep into consequence. Yeah. Um, there's Brooke, Adam's sister, who tries to in- encourage good choices and ends up falling for Mike. Uh, there's Dallas, the owner of Exquisite, uh, played by Matthew McConaughey at his true Matthew McConaughey-est. Can I do it? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Yep, that's the one. That's it. <laughs> that's it. That's the one. Um, he is very ambitious in the world of strip club op- operations. Um, and we have other strippers like Ken, Tito, Tarzan, and of course, Big Dick Richie. Can't leave Big Dick out. Yep. Um, there's Tobias, who's the club DJ and the original bad idea drug guy. I mean, it's my personal headcanon that Tobias is Tobias Funke from Arrested <laughs> Development. Yes. He blew himself. Yeah, exactly. And he makes bad choices, too. That's true. And actually, he he could... Like he would, he would be the support guy in the strip world because he's a never nude, and yeah. so he always has those tiny shorts on. It's true, but he's drawn to it. I mean, he has the hot cops. Yeah, he buys a strip. <laughs> oh club. my god, that's true. Yeah, man, Magic Mike is a versatile crossover engine. He really is. Yeah. Um, and there's finally Joanna, who's Mike's ex and kind of hookup. Mm. Um, so Mike's bad choices definitely involve her. Um, some themes of the movie are um, ambition is a big one. Like, obviously, Mike wants more from his life than odd jobs and stripping, even though he's super good at stripping. Um, it's easy to be caught up in a world in the world of exquisite, especially when the odds are stacked against him financially. Meanwhile, Dallas and Adam are ambitious at the cost of others. Dallas wants to rule the world, or at least Florida, with strip clubs and doesn't care what happens to his employees as long as they show up and get the job done. And obviously, Adam is in way over his head as he tries to live it up as a stripper. That's, I like that distinction a lot, though, of like dif- the different ways that ambition can affect yeah. the people around you and oh, the way that you totally. view people around yeah, you. Yeah, because like Mike really wants to do something good with his life. And, you know, he's looking out for Adam and the other mm-hmm. guys. Um, but ambition like Dallas's and Adam's really kind of suck him dry and yeah. at, at some point he needs to to cut himself from that even though um the next theme community like mm. is is a big one here as well um like for better or for worse Mike has found a community and exquisite um and a lot of movies and shows and books and stuff I like um talk about found families and like how you form your own community mm-hmm. um and I think this is a really interesting case on or an interesting twist on that found family's idea. Because in here, I get like Mike finds his community, but it's also very damaging to him. And like he needs to recognize when yeah. to leave this found family of his. Right. And then it's, yeah, just because it's a comforting place or a yeah. place where you feel and, like yourself and, doesn't and necessarily place, yeah, mean where that it's people the place you want to be you. forever. Yeah. You, you know, you're doing great work and people enjoy you and you enjoy them, but that might not be the healthiest place for you to be long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie is has some real uh, looks into financial woes. And again, like 
Mike wants to move on and do other things, and the bank ain't going to give him his loan. Yeah, it feels like a very recession-era movie. Yeah, it is. Like, in a movie that billed itself as, like, woohoo, male strippers, like, yeah. there's some real dark turns here. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that is Steven mm-hmm. Soderbergh as well, who's the director, and is like is very, like, fascinated by these weird cultures, subcultures. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's less of a, like, yay male strippers movie than, a like, a real look at what the subculture is. Well, not, like shaming it like yeah like mike is real good at what he does and so much of it is um looks at female sexuality and the men like kind of encouraging women to be sexual right they're like giving them the opportunity to engage with these feelings um yeah and it's not like oh wow no no women has ever looked at a hunky bod and felt something like it's it's a celebration of that and and getting to express that in a safe environment um but it yeah like can be a real drain on the people who are working there yeah and i think like it seems like soderbergh i mean he also did the girlfriend experience which is a movie about a a high-end escort starring Mm. an actual adult film actress sasha gray uh and he's very he seems very fascinated by like bodies as commodity and what that does to the bodies in question that is totally what this movie is yeah um and, you know, some things I like and think other people will like is that, you know, it's that perfect combination of fun and thoughtful. Like, mm-hmm. that's a fantastic way to put it, kind of bodies as commodity. Um, but we also get to see these awesome dance scenes. Right. Like, and, it, and it really highlights the talent that goes oh, into stripping. exactly. Like, it's not like this is terrible and everyone must leave. It's just kind of like, well, at a, some point, Mike needs to leave this. Right. And again, he can be a super talented dancer, but this is not good for his identity long term. Exactly. Um, and you've got the the stripping and really great comedic moments, um, but the movie doesn't lose sight of its darker tones. Um, also, the cast is just fantastic. Obviously, this is the movie that brought Channing Tatum to my attention. <laughs> to a lot of people's attention for a lot of reasons. True. <laughs> Channing Tatum, I would love to be your friend now. Aww. So, yeah, you're awesome. Um, and the rest of the cast works perfectly. Like, again, I, I have some, some real thoughts about Matthew McConaughey. Um, but he he does a lot for Dallas here. Like this mm-hmm. is a great role for him. Yeah, um, I feel like he's not a guy who branches out of a role that he's given. But if it's written within his lane, like he is the best person at that because he can suggest that kind of a character, but with a depth underneath and like a consistency. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Like he he can be someone who is playing laid back and funny and fun but also again like has that darker side like yeah. he is he's a great look at what the movie is actually yeah he doesn't feel like he's playing those types of characters from the outside of like oh yeah i get to be a villain like he's no, not chewing he's scenery not exactly a villain yeah. it's just you're someone who is ambitious at the cost of others right you're not thinking in terms of your moral compass or your responsibility to this world that you've built yeah, yeah. um and we have matthew uh bomer is ken who's like a human disney prince Aww. he's so pretty um so, yeah, like, in, an enjoyable time here. And most importantly, the dance sequences are just Yay. awesome. Yeah. Like. Um, yeah, you were, like, you were, like, thrilled when you called me I was me so excited because I thought, oh, yeah, this will be a fun movie to throw on. And yeah. then I was like, this movie's fantastic. Yeah, you were, like, jazzed up. I was real jazzed about this. Yeah. Um, so if you're like me and wait four years to see a movie <laughs> after it comes out, you should check out Magic Mike. Yeah, it's just about time to watch Magic Mike 2, I would say. I think so. Well, that's the thing. So I saw Magic Mike when it was streaming on something. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got around to looking for Magic Mike 2, it was gone. Oh, no. I know. So I need to just like either like pony up to rent it streaming or... It'll probably circle back soon. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Wait for it to come back to me. 
Yeah, like if you if you love if you it love if, if you love Channing Tatum, set him free. If he loves you, he will return yes. to you and sit back in his birdcage that you've built. Oh God! Hey, you know he's cool with it. He's got lots of shredded newspapers to. He can do handstands on the bar. Mm-hmm, exactly, it's got everything a Channing Tatum needs. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, little it's seed, not creepy at all. Little seed bucket. Is that that gluten free? Yeah, it very much is. It's seeds. It has to be. Yeah, well, I guess seeds aren't like paleo or something for whatever reason. Yeah, no caveman. Uh, I don't think Channing Tatum. You probably eat normal food. You're yeah. fine. I think he's probably like the Rock and eats a billion calories a day. Well, no, then... only well the Rock eats like like real healthy food, but he Does has he? to. Eat, well, I think because he has to eat like he has to eat a right. lot of it. But I like, was thinking of Michael Phelps. Yes, that is true, because you're burning, like, thousands of calories. Right. But I think The Rock, like, he has cheat days, so oh. sometimes you'll see on Instagram, he'll post, like, here's a donut burger cheat yes. day, and I'm like, oh, The Rock. You've earned it. You're just like us, except <laughs> you work out. He's, and He thinks he's people. <laughs> oh. The Rock, you're just, like, a hero in human form. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, more about heroes? I don't know. Tell yeah, us about Highlander. About, about overly muscled gentlemen, I yeah. would say, who are sort of passing as normal. Um, yeah, Highlander. Um, Highlander is a 1986 British action adventure fantasy airbrushed fan art on the side of a van of a movie that um, I'm just going to go ahead and say right up front isn't all that good in a classical sense. This is not a movie that's respected for its attention to craft or what? detail. I know, I know. Shocking. Um, This movie is right up at the top of my list of a genre that I consider as the best imaginable movies to watch on a Saturday morning when eating cereal if you're a kid or hungover as an adult. Don't get those two um, mixed up. Yeah, no, really. You'll go to you'll go to jail. Um, <laughs> or if just you like, eat I cereal mean... after a night of drinking <laughs> yeah. as an adult, you go to prison. Yep. <laughs> You got to get that French toast out there. Don't even talk to me, sicko. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's basically at the top of that list is Highlander and the Spanish dub of Time Cop. Uh, which I discovered one morning with her friends, Tom and Megan, is a great experience when you're hungover. Um, Not that Walt gets hungover. Of course not. Eat cereal responsibly, kids. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, the movie... um, what I enjoy about it is it is of the genre of 1980s, just ridiculous concept films of the kinds that we really don't see much anymore in blockbusters. Um, nobody just kind of go like, you know, I, th- I even with Magic Mike, it was such a shock to people that Steven Soderbergh was making a movie about male strippers. Um, and then but in the 80s, people were like, oh, you want to make a movie about immortals cutting each other's heads off in the streets of New York with katanas? Yeah, totally. Yeah, sure. Here's well, a big budget. Everybody was doing a lot of coke in the 80s. Exactly. So, you there know, you go. it unlocked something is all I'm saying. I saw an article recently about how like, oh, it's sad that the, um, you know, the power lunch is dead. And it's like everybody's just working hard now. They don't have time to take like two hours for lunch and drink martinis yeah. and i'm like well yeah that's what that's how we got stuff like highlander exactly that's <laughs> how people got like real drunk Great and for then the entertainment industry yeah greenlit movies yeah um so yeah uh, highlander is um it's a trip you guys uh so basic synopsis but basic is being generous because there's a lot of plot here um the basic premise of the film is that there are a sort of sub race they're sort of like mutants in the x-men um of people call- who are called immortals in our world um they can only be killed by decapitation which raises the question of if you are an immortal but can be killed are you really an immortal this is one of the many many questions that highlander as a movie introduces and that doesn't really do much with <laughs> Yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, they should just come up with another name, like 
Well, I mean, they an do, ageless one. They live like, a long time. Like they, real, real old people. Like yeah. you got your AARP card, and they a can while get back. real messed up and then regenerate. Like they're you like know, the doctor. Just, um, no, like like. Uh, well, I'll, in the plot synopsis, I can yeah. say that uh, Connor McLeod, our titular Highlander, um, is an immortal. Huh. Uh, the movie splits between his life in present day 1980s, well, 1980s, very 1980s, not present day, New York City, um, while also flashing back to his life discovering that he's a Highlander. Um, mm-hmm. Connor's been around since the 16th century, uh, but when we first meet him, he's having a sword fight in a 1980s parking garage and cutting the head off of another immortal dude. Um, there's lots of sparks and lightning and generally like hair metal type special effects. Um, the movie, like I said, I'm just going to I'm I'm literally singing the final countdown in my head. With is, that. This is the film version <laughs> yeah. of the final. Countdown, yes. Uh, except all of the music's by Queen. So it's even <gasps> better. No, that's so much better. Yeah. There's no way Queen can do wrong. No. And they don't. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. It, this is. Oh, it's such a good soundtrack. Um, Anywho, uh, the movie alternates between present day and back in Scotland. Um, In the present day, Connor is being investigated by a sexy police detective who starts to figure out his secret um, as she investigates the fight in the garage and the decapitation of a dude. Um, And in the flashbacks, we learn that Connor first discovered he was an immortal by getting skewered in a 19th century Scottish battle. Um, by a big hulking beef slab of beef known only as the Kurgan, who is also an immortal, but more importantly is played by Clancy Brown, uh, who is the prison warden, or not the prison warden, the head prison guard in Shawshank Redemption, um, and has done so many wonderful things in this world, uh, but who is just having the most fun ever being like an almost subverbal, leering bad dude throughout the film. Look up pictures of the Kurgan on Google Image. Uh, his armor in the battle in the beginning is in insane um when connor miraculously recovers from his injuries uh his clan exiles him for being a witch which uh, let's be honest like he pretty much basically is so they're not totally in the wrong here um turn me into a newt <laughs> uh he wanders the land forlornly uh, christopher lambert who plays connor uh spends most of the movie doing things forlornly he's not the most dynamic actor in the world um but then he meets another immortal an egyptian spaniard named Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, who is played by, who else? Sean Connery. Like, Uh, why? Now is a really good time to take a little sidebar and note that literally everything about this movie is as 1980s as it possibly could be. Like, they just turned up all of their instant anachronism dials to the top level um, across all fronts. So we get, like, lots of big hair in this movie, lots of crazy practical fight scenes, and, like, strobe light music video effects, and a truly bitchin' soundtrack by Queen. But we also get plenty of racially questionable casting. White guys rule the world, and some less-than-dynamic-to-be-generous female characters, again, because white guys rule the world in the world of this movie. Um, so yeah, it's and hangover like, watching. It's not high art. And like, okay, Sean Connery, you're like, yep, okay, you're going to be in a movie that's half set in Scotland. Great. Mm-hmm. Yep. That like, did someone, was someone must playing, have just been around. Was some, but like, was <laughs> someone playing Mad Libs with the script? Because you're like, no, Sean Connery, you just have to show up on set. Yeah. And he doesn't even like, he keeps his accent. He's He's got a Scottish like, accent. Like he's a Scottish guy it? who like lo- went to a bronzing place and that's oh pretty God. much it so um, was he he's very rakish oh um, yeah. yeah did he was this based on like was this like 
Oh, no, this is original IP. Oh, is, so it's not like this oh, was... Oh, no, this was not um, a book or a comic. No, this is like... Weird. This is, again, super high concept that someone had to pitch to a movie studio, and they were like, yeah, absolutely. Oh On this working lunch, we agree with you. Yeah, More right? martinis for everyone. Yep. Um, so Connor trains with Juan Sanchez, uh, for whom Connor doesn't even bother to do anything other than his native Scottish accent, and also marries a Bonnie Scottish lass, because that's totally going to end great for an immortal guy. Um, Juan Sanchez tells him more about the further Highlander mythology without actually telling him a whole lot. Um, what we find out is all immortals are destined to keep fighting one another and killing one another. Every time an immortal kills another immortal, uh, he assumes that immortal's power in a process called the quickening, um, which is, again, never really explained. Um, and then they're all working their way towards a big final day when there are few enough of them left that they'll all be drawn and converged to a single place where they'll fight fight it out and the final two remaining will battle and the winner of that fight will receive what is only referred to as the prize um so they're all just kind of biding time hanging out practicing sword craft so this reminds me of a um my favorite icebreaker game Ooh, where go on. you, you uh, cut people's heads off with yeah, a sword. <laughs> i mean you just fight to the death and then you've broken every ice mm-hmm. um so it's competitive um rock paper scissors Ooh, and you start out so you ha- right. yeah so you have 50 people and you pair up you know you have 25 pairs mm-hmm. and you play and then whoever loses becomes the cheering section for the winner and yeah. so you find another pair and like you're like go danny go danny yeah. and they're like go jen go jen and you just keep amassing yeah, you fandom keep yeah, exactly. Until you have two people and you have these giant cheering sections mm-hmm. and it's super fun. It's basically like that, except they're swords and the cheering sections are all ghosts because yeah. they've been beheaded. Apparently, yeah. yeah. I was going to be like, that's a lonely fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so shortly after Juan Sanchez trains Connor um, and gets him to do fun stuff like swim in a lake and run alongside a deer while Queen, while Queen plays Who a song. Who hasn't done that? Yeah. Uh, the Kurgan shows up again and decapitates Sean Connery, oh no. bringing an end to really the most fun part of the movie, unfortunately. Um, Connery, you know, uh, racial mistakenness uh, aside, gives a very charming rakish performance because he's a charming rakish guy uh, and doesn't particularly care about the film. But, oh. you know, there's good sword fights, so that's cool. Um, then Connor's wife dies of old age because he's immortal and he spends the next few centuries brooding his way across the world until we come back to the present day where he's a super mega wealthy New York antiques dealer. You know the kind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Who doesn't make bank with antiques? Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho, the Kurgan comes to New York, kills the other remaining Highlander who's there. Connor convinces a uh, pretty detective lady to come hang out with him, and they kiss. Um, and he has a final battle with the Kurgan, which is most notable because Clancy Brown, uh, his costume in the 1980s world is just as insane as his armor in the 16th century world. It's like all black leather, and he has his head shaved, and he has has safety pins pinned along the scar on his neck from where he almost got beheaded earlier as just like a fashion choice. Um, they fight, Connor wins and receives the prize, which is just basically getting hit by lightning a bunch. Again, it's not clarified at all in the movie, but he seems happy about it and Queen is playing, so it pretty much seems like a happy ending. So, oh, so he just gets hit by lightning and that's the end of the movie? Yeah, I think the implication is that he's mortal now. Like, he gets to die. interesting, because I would have thought, like, now you're super immortal. No one can ever kill you. No, like, that's... And I think it gets retconned a little bit in the series later on. There are five movies in the Highlander series. So, basically, this is a movie about people who are really desperate to get 
kill. Like yeah, but they would... need somebody else to kill them. Yeah. They're like, I'm not just gonna, you know, lay down on a table saw. Yeah. I'm gonna let somebody come and behead me. Wow. Yeah, and they all have their specific swords that they use. It's really fascinating. Interesting. Um, like I said, there's a lot to to think about and chew on in this film. None of it being character or plot related. Yeah. <laughs> um, so our characters, uh, we've got Connor McLeod, played by Christopher Lambert, a broody McBruder face, and not one of the more compelling screen performances you'll ever see. But, you know, he swings his sword around. Um, the Kurgan... If you know what I mean. Who? The Kurgan, Clancy Brown, um, the by far one of the most compelling screen performances you'll ever see, despite him having maybe 10 lines in the movie. Uh, he's basically a walking Van Halen album cover um, and Clancy Brown is just great Um, I feel like the Kurgan sounds like something people mumbled and then they were like, well, I guess that's yeah. his name. The Kurgan. We're the Kurgan. Oh, my God, the Kurgan. The Kurgan. We've got Juan Sanchez. I'm not saying his whole name anymore because it's just Sean Connery. I mean, like, I guess he's technically been living in Scotland for a long time and he's an immortal, so the accent could technically be justified, but... Like, maybe he's just, like, the Madonna of the Immortals and adapts the, yeah. the accent of wherever he yeah, goes to live. Um, but, yeah, it's it's That's not so great. Weird. That's so It's weird. not well handled. No. And for uh, no reason. Yeah. Oh, no. Literally no reason. Um, Brenda Wyatt, a detective who also has a background in metallurgy that helps her identify Connor's sword because police need hobbies, too. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's Heather McLeod, Connor's wife in old-timey Scotland. She has maybe five lines of dialogue totally and has probably never brushed her teeth in her whole life, but they're still perfect. Oh, totally. Um, Rachel Ellenstein, Connor's secretary and personal assistant, who reveals over the course of the film that he rescued her during World War II and then adopted her as his daughter. Um, she's like middle-aged now. Um, so, you know, you're an immortal. You do what you got to do, I guess, when you save people in wars. Oh. Um, and I, get, I feel like that's actually like an interesting premise yeah. for like... What if your parent were an immortal? Yeah, and they spend a lot of time actually focusing on the logistics of how Connor has managed to stay rich. And it's like he... Um, yeah, because keeps it's not listing, like he's like psychic or anything. Yeah, he keeps listing children who have died at birth, and then so they get identities created. But then he wills all of his inheritance. So like every like eighty years, he dies technically, uh-huh. and then all of his possessions go to this child who, when the detective starts uh-huh. looking, turn out to have all been died at birth. It's very gotcha. th- again. They spend a lot of time talking about it, and you don't really come away with it feeling a whole lot more clarity I mean, on how what the mechanics are. Yeah, they thought about it. Again, they were all doing coke and they were like, okay, but what about this? And whatever the first explanation was. You get a dead baby. With. Yeah, that's it. Um, you've got Sunda Castigir, Kaskid, uh, another immortal uh, in the present day who's Connor's drinking buddy. They just kind of hang out and talk with one another uh, because they don't really feel like cutting each other's heads off. Um, uh, the Kurgan kills him, but he's an amicable uh, am, amicable. Excuse me. He is an amicable enough guy that it actually seems kind of surprising that he's one of the few remaining Highlanders just because he doesn't seem particularly like hell bent on murder or anything. Yeah. It's just Maybe like, he just was like he was doing the um, oh, was it the fox face approach in Hunger Games? Yeah. Where she, like, War he was of just attrition. Hiding. Yeah. He's yeah. just hanging out, letting everybody kill each other. Um, he is originally from Ethiopia and to the film's credit is not played by a white guy. So oh, way there to you go. go. Movie. One point. Yeah. Um, there is Iman Fasil, a French immortal who Connor beheads at the beginning of the play, of uh, the sh- movie, excuse me. Um, we don't mo- know much about him other than he's French and he's on his way home from a professional wrestling match. So, 
you know, French Immortals like pro, pro wrestling, I guess. Mm. Um, and he spends time in garages. Uh, and he has a samurai sword. That's his sword. Um, and then there is Detective Bedsoe, Brenda's partner on the force, who's in the movie mostly because she needs somebody to talk about metallurgy too and exposit about Connor's sword. So, you know, it's a robust and dynamic cast of characters. That is true. <laughs> uh, themes and fun stuff. Uh, immortality is hard, you guys. you got to yeah. keep pretending that your own dead children are you and inheriting your monies so that they can get your riches carried on. And also people keep trying to cut your head off. And your Scottish, Egyptian, Spanish best friend died 300 years ago. Like, it's tough. Those are the things we all deal with. It's true. When, when immortal. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean... I guess if it's if the gift at the end is like his mortality, yeah, it's very tuck everlasting in terms of like it feels a little immortality is not the thing. It's a thing that sounds like it's awesome and a superpower, but it's actually awful. Yeah, and you have to like choose other ways to decapitate or to get decapitated than like wandering around finding a guy having a sword fight with him and sure. But maybe I'm guessing if I were gonna Mm -hmm. do some some fanfic for Highlander, of which there is a lot. I'm sure there is. There'd have to be Mm because they leave all these plot holes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that it would be like if you get killed, you're kind of in like limbo. You're in Highlander Mm. limbo, so you're you can never really die. You're waiting for the for the prize to be won, and then you all get to transcend. Maybe not. Maybe you're just stuck there. Maybe that's why it's like real desperate to get the prize because you're the only one who gets to die and like be at peace. Well, sorry, Kurgan. 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 Another theme of the movie is that sword fights are awesome. Especially in the present day when the people wielding the swords are in business suits and there's all sorts of like lightning and stuff going all around and it's like just action figure time do and you're do playing do around do like, oh, do 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 do. Um, uh, in the, they, they also take the sword fights pretty seriously. Um, in the sequel to this movie, which we'll talk about in the recommendations, um, Christopher Lambert actually got part of his finger cut off by Michael Ironside um, over the course of the filming um, because these filmmakers are not messing around not. on the sword stuff. Um, as Michael Ironside also put it, it's really hard to go for finesse when you're wielding like a 16th century broadsword. Yeah, like, seriously. Maybe maybe don't make them actual sharp sword guys. You'd think. Yeah, right. Um, there's something very quaint about watching this movie uh, and like specifically about watching like big burly white dudes try to chop each other's heads off um, like in today's current movie. I don't know. There's something that feels so like specifically 80s about this movie uh it's so completely laser focused on being what it is that it kind of comes around and achieves this almost balletic grace of bad movie making that i really enjoy um and the final theme of this movie is that queen is good queen is really really good long live the queen yeah even to the extent that late period queen like writing songs about immortal sword fights in new york is still great uh princes of the universe is the sort of unofficial theme of this film oh um and yeah it's uh and freddie mercury truly was the prince of the universe yeah and uh i think um uh May, the the guitarist for for Queen, um, wrote a song because he was so inspired by the love scene between Connor and Brenda in this. In for this some film. reason, I was really like for the love scene between Connor and like one of the other dudes, Sean Connery. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, it's called "I Don't Want to Live Forever," so <laughs> and it's in the world now because of the Highlander. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are two movies with a bunch of big beefy dudes. Being yeah. Dudes. Oh, totally. Yeah, this a lot is, of bromance. Yeah, a lot of masculinity mm-hmm. and the I, I feel like it, the toxic masculinity thing is not present in 
Highlander, but like it doesn't com- know it is. No, but, but it like is. yeah, right. Maybe like the movie is. is Which it's guys not aware. compelled to dominate one. Yeah, another exactly. In like feats and of it, strength, right? And like that, it they destroy all the other ones, right? And like they bring you, ruination upon everybody yeah, your, around them. Your immortal race is gone now mm-hmm. because you're all trying to kill each other. Yeah. Oh, and immortals can't have kids. That's also clarified that they are unable to propagate themselves. They're, wow. Well, I mean, I guess so, that makes sense. Yeah, they're basically neutered. Wow. Yeah. Although I guess they can still, you know. Well, I mean, they, they're... Um, they have, Sterile. Yeah. They've been sterilized uh, by the quickening. That's what we'll say. The quickening? The quickening's what? a lot of things in the movie. Well, I thought the quickening was when they, like, you you subsume someone's power. Yeah, but it's also when he's running around with the deer and, like, feeling nature ebbing through him and stuff. It's there... Again, a lot of it's terminology lot of gets used a lot of Yeah, a they're lot just of like, whatever. Ways. We'll use the same word. Yeah, there are multiple sequences of this movie that feel like they're just hopping between different early MTV music videos. <laughs> you know what? They had extra footage and they just spliced yeah, them together. Like going from I would do anything for love to uh, November Rain to yeah. like every Madonna video. <laughs> like, Yeah, they're just jumping through all, all of them. November Rain, 90s or 80s? Uh, probably 90s. That's okay. It's still good. Ahead of its time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's the biggest thematic crossover to talk about here. Yeah. Um, I guess we could also do a reach and say the need to escape a life that has defined you. Yeah. Um, you know? Yeah. And the, the idea of like you not wanting to take part in this, this the culture. Thing you're good at. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, found families and why they are toxic and how you have to leave them. Right. Found families getting their heads cut off. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think the themes sure. are like they're both a little a little uh, hard to pull together and also blatantly obvious. Yeah, depending on how the you biggest deal with theme it. really is burly dudes. Yeah, burly dudes. Just life, the life and times of burly dudes <laughs> yep. who are sad about various things. Yep. <laughs> Title of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I like that. But let's talk about physical crossover. Yeah, we got some some directions we can go with this. Yeah. So what what are you thinking? So I'm thinking, um, you know, Mike is is still working the strip club. Mm-hmm. Um, he is feeling real down on himself, um, you know, and the drug people are coming for him yeah. and Adam. And I think that he he gets in a real bad situation and gets like shot. Oh yeah. And um, you know, he he's like, oh my god, I've just been shot. This is crazy. But then he realizes that he is actually fine. Oh man. Yeah. He's so a he's, witch. Yep. He gets he, exiled from the strip club. <laughs> he's a stripper witch. <laughs> Has to wander the land. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's he's like, what? He has no idea what's going on. Yeah. He's like, what is this? I My abs are rock hard, but I mean, not that rock hard. Right. Oh, <laughs> Hold up. I've been drinking my magic milk. <laughs> <laughs> does a body good yeah you're right it's a good pun yes thank you <laughs> um so so he's real confused but um there you know someone else knows what mm-hmm. this deal is someone else has been there and that is uh connor mcleod yeah who is expanding his antiques dealing to miami oh yeah well yeah that was i think um in my mind i think the strip club gets blown up oh geez and i think they're all Highlanders, or they're all immortals. All the strippers are. Wow! Because you so can who's only because it's Hi- it? oh the mob, the mob has 
because, uh, you know, Adam hasn't gotten the money and all that stuff. Oh, so oh, the drug people. Yeah, the drug yeah. people are blowing it up. But I'm going to say they're connected to the larger mob, um, which has also been fencing stolen antiques through Connor McCloud. Okay. Um, Is that actually part of the Highlander movie? Is there a mob? No, he just, oh, okay. he I just didn't know. He's look. He's a rich as hell antiques dealer. He is not staying clean. No, that is true. <laughs> that is so true. Um, yeah, he's like selling dinosaur skulls to. Uh, oh yeah, right. You know, to Nicholas Cage and stuff like Nicholas that. Cage. Nicholas Cage. Um, yeah, that's a fun story. Look that up. Yeah. Um, so. So, yeah, I think that they blow up the strip club. But, you know, as Highlander, the film has made abundantly clear, you really can't be an immortal unless you are a super cut Of course, yeah. And so, like... Who is a super cut dude, but all the men of Exquisite. Only the men of Exquisite are are, are the highest concentration. Did they know it, or was Matthew McConaughey bringing them all together maybe to make a super fighting ring so they could go out and kill other immortals maybe i think this is part of the quit like they were all being drawn by nature to come by deers yeah by (laughs) deers and it's like so like the dancing is actually sort of the um the 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 display before the fight yeah like when when deer are like pawing the ground and stuff they're all trying to intimidate one another with their prowess uh but they've all got swords somewhere um you know where yeah oh god (laughs) Well, it happened, everybody. No. <laughs> we all knew that it was gonna it was gonna be there eventually. Good night, everybody. We found our way. Um, so yeah, I think the club gets blown up, but like all of a sudden, Matthew McConaughey is like, "I'm not dead. All right, all right, all right." Yeah. Um, but again, I'm wondering, did Matthew McConaughey know? Oh, see, I wonder if he's more like um, the Kurgan. Well, not the Kurgan, but if he's more like um, Sean Connery. Oh, yeah. He's like bringing, yeah, he's trying to mentor them. And these, and maybe, that's why they can't leave. Yeah, and maybe all of their dance routines have actually been subtle, his subtle ways of training. Yeah. And he's like. So maybe he's not so bad. I mean. But, or maybe he is training them so they can fight and kill a bunch of other immortals, but then he ends up. Yeah. Taking them all out. Well, like, or trying to. Yeah, because he's he knows all their weaknesses. Yeah. He's trained them in a very specific yeah. way. Um, yeah. Man, Matthew McConaughey is smarter than we gave him credit for. Yeah, but, like, way more devious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So I think, like, Connor comes down because he thinks that, like, you know, he's he's uh, he and Brenda maybe are investigating this mob connection. And so he sees the club and then all these male strippers miraculously, miraculously survived this club yeah. explosion. And so he gets woven into it. Um, I think, like, maybe the Kurgan like is dancing at like a real like gross sketchy club down yeah. the street or something like a real punky kind of yeah like stripper just, club yeah like, nothing thing, right yeah and it, like nothing has been sterilized no it's bad yeah and like nobody comes like, I think he just opened it oh and no he was like this is a very good business model and then like it doesn't he's not making a lot of money no yeah it's bad oh Kurgan so he's even more angry yeah right and he's like why does nobody like my safety pin necklace and oh, we're like because the 80s are over exactly over, over buddy it's not even back to being vintage or anything yet. no um so yeah I mean the port of this is pretty simple all the strippers are immortal yes <laughs> however it happens um so let's talk about some kiss your faces yes because I can also think I think that we can agree that a large part of the subtext of both of these films is homoeroticism oh totally yeah you've just got a lot of big naked slicked up guys yeah just all over even Um, though again like Magic Mike is so focused on like the embracing of female sexuality yeah and the empowering of it or the allowing of it yeah the allowing of it maybe Um, it's not empowering yeah but it's just like acknowledging Mm -hmm. Um, 
But meanwhile, like almost all the characters we have are these beefy male strippers. Yeah. So they're going to be the ones who are going to make kiss faces. Exactly. So uh, so <laughs> who's I think our most likely candidates for face kissing uh, from Highlander are uh, the French immortal guy in the beginning. We don't know much about him. Yep. Um, and he's French. Anything goes. Yeah. Uh, libertine. Uh, yeah, whatever. He just know? feels the way he feels. Exactly. Um, you know, Connor has been around for 400 years yeah, right? He deserves well, some face kissing. Exactly. And he's gotten it from, you know, these shabby mortal women who keep dying on him. Oh. <laughs> wah, wah. Oh. Um, but yeah, I think he would be a little more guarded because he yeah. has had, he has been married and had relationships yeah. and all of that. Um, Sean Connery, we don't know anything about in this movie. Um, no. You know, and he's and he's a suave, debonair gent. And, yeah. you know, maybe maybe he's looking for a, for a connection. Yeah. So. So, yeah, I think that those are those are my candidates. OK. Of the people that we know. Um, and yeah, we have um, Adam who makes bad choices. Maybe we can yep. help him make some good choices. Um, and then we have um, all the other strippers yeah. um, who, you know, get to have like their their, their feature numbers. Yeah, their feature numbers, but they're yeah. all, you know, pretty much the same. They're all the supporting strippers. Yeah. Who's the who's the Disney princess or Prince One? Um, that's Ken. Ken. He's played by Matt, um, Matt Bomer. I feel like, I mean, we're still talking about um, relatively early to mid-career phase Sean Connery. So, like, mm. the standard's pretty high. I don't know. He's a suave dude. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Bomer is so pretty. Yeah. He's also an actual gay man. Okay. So I want to pair him up right. You want to get him Yeah, good. like I want to pair him up legit. All right, well, let's give him, I mean, the French Immortal, we don't know. I don't, don't the know. The character, him. I think, is not gay, but Matt Bummer definitely is. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. I mean, we can, I mean, the you know, the French Highlander, French Immortal seems like a nice enough guy. Yeah, what about um, the, the friend? Oh, right. Yeah, I totally forgot Sunda. Uh, yeah, Sunda could be good. Good job, Sunda. Yeah. Yeah, let's pair them up. Absolutely. Um, they're totally kiss-facing. Um, God, I'm, I am 80% certain. That this crossover fan fiction exists. Oh, I'm sure out there in the world already. That we're just we're, we're retreading um, territory that has been well trod already. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I think that that's good. Uh, I mean, Brenda and Connor are together at the end of the movie. Technically, he is now mortal. So yes. are they staying together? I mean, because I like. I feel like. Um, uh, Mike and Brooke are together at the end of their movie. Yeah. Like I'm fine keeping stable them. couples. Yeah, like. Maybe Sean Connery and Matthew McConaughey. They've got yeah. a lot, they've got a lot of wattage. Yeah, and they're like the mentors. Yeah, the mentors. But figures. if Matthew McConaughey is like a villain in this movie, yeah, that's probably more of a battle dome. Yeah, this is a hard one because they're all battle domes. Also, like at yeah, a certain point, true. strippers gonna just gotta them. start cutting each yeah, other's heads exactly. off. Yeah, um, exactly. I'm gonna yeah. say um, maybe. Matthew McConaughey and the friend, um, the friend, or no, the French guy. Oh yeah. And then he, Matthew McConaughey, takes him out real. Oh, he betrays him. Like it's like he's, he's being very devious. Yeah. Oh, very devious. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think that I think that works. Um, Yeah, I think I mean the female characters in both these movies don't get a lot of. No. Oh, so there's um, Joanna, who's Mike's Mike's ex. Oh yeah. Maybe she and Sean Connery. Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I think that Connor's assistant needs to get together with one of the strippers. She gets a she gets a dance from um, Big Dick Richie. Yes, exactly. And I think that she she charms him with her war stories. Yes. 
Uh, maybe gets him to settle down a little bit. Yeah, right. Go for yeah, it, lady. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is, again, similar to the themes. This is all going to be different permutations of the same basic yeah. model. Like, these are characters who I think exist as blank slates in some ways, other than the main characters, who, yeah, who and in we're Connor's following case, their is a pretty big blank Yeah, oh, slate. totally. <laughs> Not everybody can be Channing Tatum. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, that, like, but, like, like that's the truth. Christopher Lambert in this movie is the opposite of the Channing Tatum yeah. revelation. Right, where you're like, Oh my god! Like and like, you can look real pretty. Yeah. But then to have the talent on top of that is mm-hmm. very impressive. Okay. So, what is all right? We've made our big sword joke, but let's serious business here. Uh huh. What is Channing Tatum's weapon of choice as an immortal? Wink. No, no. We're moving past <laughs> it. We're moving on, Annie. Um. <laughs> So I mean, is it? It's got to be something that will. It's decay. a bladed weapon. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've got a in the in Highlander the film. We've got a samurai sword. We've got uh, Connor's um, sort of Scottish broadsword. Uh, the Kurgan just has a massive, big old honking broadsword thing. Um, you're still looking at me like I'm talking about penises. I know. Well, uh, you said big old massive, uh, and I was like, yep. <laughs> um, Sunda has like I believe a scimitar of some kind. Mm-hmm. But so like so yeah, what feels Channing Tatum-y to us? Um. um Good question, because I feel like, I mean, I feel like a, a real good, like, you know, broadsword kind of thing. Yeah, sort like, of the same kind of, like, 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 a, like a paladin longsword. Yeah, I think that's a better one. Yeah, I think that feels very good. Uh, I think Matthew McConaughey has something like just a big honking knife. Yeah. Like with maybe like, like a serrated edge or something. Yeah. Like it takes a little bit of work. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it's like not, the one that... um Rosa had in that episode of Brooklyn, of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Nine-Nine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's his knife. Um, it's like one of those tactical knife things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, um, oh, uh, okay. So obviously there are not a massive amount of women in either of these movies, mm-hmm. but who of the Magic Mike women is an immortal? Let's get some, let's oh, get some female representation in there. Um, well, it really is just Brooke and Joanna. Yeah. And then there's like one other woman who actually, that's because that's what I was looking up. I was like... Wait, who is this actress? I've looked her up before, and she is capable in Mad Max. Oh, wow. And she, like, shows up to, like, you know, like, bring some drugs or something. That sounds like a secret immortal to me. Oh, yeah. She's casing the joint. Yeah, and she's she is actually looking out. She's like, okay, I'm going to mm-hmm. make sure that, um, you know, I can, I'm going to take these guys out. Yeah, I'm going to scope everybody yeah. out. And, I, and I'm going to blow up the club in order to determine who the immortals among them are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and I feel like she's got Nora. That's her name. Nora, yeah. Um, and I feel like she's got maybe like, um, like a finesse weapon of some kind, like or like a like a rapier or oh, yeah. it's harder to decapitate. I'm with. thinking of um, oh, what are the ones that Raphael had in Psy? Size, yeah. Those are harder the, to cut. To yeah, like, but you can like really like chop somebody's head off. Oh, that's true. Or like catch somebody's sword blade and turn it around on them yeah. or something too. Yeah, that could see. Yeah, she has some ninja weapons going yeah. on, I think for sure. Um, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I like I her that, as an emergent secret immortal. Yeah. And nobody look, nobody thinks to look at her because they don't see anyone who's not a dude. Yeah, <laughs> they right. They just don't register. We do, we're like, what's your name again? <laughs> Her? Her? Oh. <laughs> and Veal the Immortal. Because yeah. <laughs> everybody forgets about her. Egg victory. <laughs> um, yeah. So are, we're getting to the end of the movie. All the strippers have to fight each other, too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so should we, like, let's real battle dome this out? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Connor and Mike 
wind up. Wow. Like, I think they have to, right? Yeah, because they can't be on the team. I think, okay, so who kills Matthew McConaughey? I think maybe at that point, Connor and Mike realize that they have to team up against Matthew McConaughey. Uh huh. Um, And I think there are some strippers on Matthew McConaughey's side, too. Like he's one, he's got a team. His I team mean, assembled, yeah, so I they think, have to uh, go rogue. Well, I think he might have teamed up with the Kurgan. Oh and yep. maybe Adam. Oh, Adam. Adam so makes pretty. bad choices. So, yeah. Um, um. Yeah. So they're definitely a, a formidable force. Yeah. Let's say for the sake of changing things up in this in the franchise, Mike kills the Kurgan. Yep. Um. Because I'd feel bad if he killed Adam. Like, yeah. That's his girlfriend's brother. Oh, exactly. He'd peel a little bit of guilt. Yeah. Uh, maybe Adam gets killed by um, capable. Maybe she comes around. Isn't she kind of the? Well, I guess she was trying to take him out. She doesn't care. She's not yeah. on Matthew McConaughey. No, she's team. totally mercenary. Yeah. So I think she she takes out somebody big and then gets taken out. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe Matthew McConaughey takes her out. Yeah, she takes out Adam. Matthew McConaughey okay. takes her because, out. like, he's like nobody messes up my club. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And then, yeah, I mean, and we need to really surprise the audience. So, like, maybe one of the non-immortals kills Matthew McConaughey. Um, like, what if, like, Brenda yeah. decapitates him? Yeah, that's true. Like, um, Or Brooke. Yeah. I mean, she is really not into this whole strip club thing. That's true. So she maybe, is not a fan. No, but she's like, yeah, yeah like, Mike could do more. Like, this yeah. is messing up my brother. Maybe she's like, I am going to take this guy yeah. out. The fight's happening in a warehouse because they're always in a warehouse. Oh, and yeah. And so, like, she, like, gets a fire axe or something yeah. and just goes to town. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Brenda pulls up with all the cops and she's like talking to, to Connor and, and Mike and she's like, you know, I have to arrest you guys, right? Wink. It's not a sexual the, pun. No, she but just, like <laughs> then there, what if all the other, the, like uh, Mike and Connor like put on their stripper cop uniforms and they're yeah. like, no, where are we cops too? We just yeah. came here to look at it. They decide to forego the prize. The true prize is exotic is dancing in, in cop uniforms. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Finally, Connor finds his passion and Mike is a teacher now. He can yeah. teach Connor the magic of dance. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, and actually, because Mike loves making furniture, maybe Connor can introduce him, like use his unreasonable wealth. Yeah. And like they they team up for a, a furniture company where it's yeah. like new furniture, antique furniture, like make your home really cool with stuff that isn't just like real yeah. old stuff. or Antique just style furniture. Yeah. Or custom furniture. And yeah, yeah. Like something that makes your home really cool and unique. Yeah. They start a furniture store. They do. I like this. Yeah. Good job, guys. <laughs> yeah. And I like Connor has the money. It's true. He's got the money to fund this and the passion now too. Yeah, exactly. For his good buddy Mike. And dance. Aw. And Mike, tur- it, Mike learns that being an immortal who can only be killed through decapitation isn't the real magic. The real magic is Mike himself. Oh, it was inside him the whole time. <laughs> it was inside him the whole time. Oh, shout out to our Dungeons and Dragons yep. campaign. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I feel good about this. I yeah. feel good. Me too. I feel like they we ended things pretty happy yeah, for people. We found considering. a good spin on this. Yeah, I mean, not Matthew McConaughey, but no one has a good spin one on can Matthew say McConaughey. That he is not all right. All right. All right. No. He is all wrong. Oh, all dead. And if people want more like Magic Mike, where could they go? <laughs> um, so there is Magic Mike XXL, um, which is the sequel, but I haven't seen that yet. Um, but I've heard super good things about it. Um, so it's a much later take on the Magic Mike world, which is nice because I just want Mike to be happy. Yeah, it's kind of like a bus road trip. I don't think it. it can be as good as our ending. Yeah, nothing will be as nothing. happy as opening a furniture store that will operate in perpetuity yes. because he and his financier are immortal. Yes. 
Um, there's also the Magic Mike show in Las Vegas um, and a musical in development. So there's a lot of Magic Mike going on. Yeah. It's just the kind of branching out that Dallas would want. Aww. Um, for more dance movies with darker edges, um, Dirty Dancing, which is possibly the greatest dance movie of all time. Uh, okay. What? You're right. What's it? Tell me another one. I don't know. See? There you go. You're right. It's about a young woman vacationing with her family in the 1960s who learns about dance and love and illegal abortions. The big three, they yeah, call right? it. Yeah, right? That's what the teenage girls want to hear about. Um, there's Flashdance, which is like Lady Magic Mike from the 1980s. Essentially, yeah. Like, it's almost the exact same plot. Set in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What? Hometown hero. Man. She's a steel worker. I know that, but I yeah. just didn't know that was actually Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. Wow. It was a big deal in Pittsburgh. Was the the actress from? No. Oh, okay. But they were there. They yeah. filmed it. Oh, did they film it in Pittsburgh? Mm-hmm, they did. Oh, wow. Um, so shout out. Um, there's Fame about a performing arts high school in 1970s New York City, um, which like there's the sequel that's terrible, but this is actually like surprisingly gritty and, and hard. Um, there's Step Up, which also stars Channing Tatum. It's definitely more predictable than Magic Mike, but still fun. And you got that Channing Tatum goodness. Oh, that Channing Tatum magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Magic Mike. That Magic Mike. Milk. Milk. That's <laughs> <laughs> growing on me. Um, there's Billy Elliot about a young boy from a coal miner family who wants to be a ballet dancer. Um, and there's Strictly Ballroom, which is early Baz Luhrmann. It's a look at the world of the Australian competitive ballroom dancing. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a it's a real good time, and it's like early enough Baz Luhrmann where it's not completely bananas. Yeah. It has a little bit of control over itself. It has a little control. Um, and like the characters are all just so lovable and mm. bananas. But can, can I throw two on that occurred to me during the course oh, of Oh yeah, phase? totally. Because there yeah. there were I was like, oh man, I know there's gonna be stuff I'm forgetting. Uh, yeah, definitely the full Monty. Oh yeah, the I haven't British seen that. British stripper movie. Yeah. Um, but like dad bod stripper. Aww. Yeah. Uh, and then um, I would say Boogie Nights. Uh, oh, which I Pat also haven't Anderson, seen. Which is uh, very much um, the same look at like improvised family in a subculture that gets looked down upon a lot. It's a lot more picaresque and yeah. a lot more widespread mm. and pretty and like it it goes to grimmer places for lots of for some of its characters, but others like find some nice peace. And it's really like it's a it's a brilliant film. Um, would you add kinky boots to this list of other things that I haven't seen? Yeah, I think the uh, Kinky Boots is a little more like on the transitive property. You go to Full Monty from Magic Mike yeah. and then Kinky Boots is on the other side. It's still like small British town learning yeah. to deal with social issues. Yeah. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel quite along the same lines okay. as Magic Mike. Um, because, yeah, it's much more focused on like the British community learning to accept transgressive nature. Things. Which is great. Yeah, which is um, wonderful. Um, but it feels closer to a Billy guess, Elliot. Yeah. Oh, OK. But mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I put Billy Elliot on here because it is it has like a real grit to it. Yeah. Um, and there's a dance. There's a lot of dancing. in it. Oh, too. of course. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, Billy Elliot isn't like a fun, shiny movie, mm-hmm. um, but it ends up being very hopeful and yeah. and, and evocative. Totally. Um, and so for a uh, spectacle with the dark side plus shirtless guys the elaborate entrance of chad deity Ooh, by christopher pull. diaz because mm-hmm. yeah i was thinking about it like i was out today and i was like oh wow because i was trying to think of stuff that's like really fun on the outside has a really interesting subculture but deals with a lot of deep emotional issues mm-hmm. um and i feel like chad deity like really hits that yeah and i think it really dives it really engages with the f- the form 
more yeah. than Magic Mike. Like Magic Mike, I think, is about like the industry of something. Mm-hmm. And I think Chad Deity is like about like it engages more with like wrestling, pro wrestling as like a form of expression that's also freighted with all these social things yeah. and like racial components. And yeah. All that. But yeah, that's, that's a really good uh, connection. Thank you. I would oh. see those two very similar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, how about uh, Highlander recommendations? <laughs> Highlander's hard to recommend for because it's really movies that sort of hit the same part of my brain. Uh-huh. So this is a very Walt-centered recommendation list. Um, things that ping the same uh, the same neurons in my brain. Uh, Ghost from the 1980s. Uh-huh. Um, you've got a lot of like cartoon uh, or like animated spirits and like lightning effects and stuff. And like you know like, New York in the 1980s. Yeah, and like high concept. So high concept. Yeah. Like, like that's the name of this game today. Um, continuing on the Patrick Swayze path, there's Roadhouse. Did Patrick Swayze is doing real well in the recommendations he is. this week. I mean, he's a beefcake. He is. And he's a wonderful person. He was a dancing beefcake. He was. With a wonderful screen presence. <gasps> oh my gosh. He was the early Channing Tatum. He was. He very much was. Yeah. Oh, we um, miss you, Patrick Swayze. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Roadhouse, where he plays the best bouncer mm-hmm. in the world. <laughs> Uh, quantified um, and yeah it's just sort of bonkers and out there um, and then there's Legend uh, which is the Ridley Scott directed yeah. Tom Cruise I Mia Sarah starring that's Ridley Scott yeah live action fantasy unicorn fever dream Lisa Frank cover of a movie yeah like and it has Tim Curry as the devil who's like sort of distressingly like sexy and scary all at once that's, like that's it's rocky horror yeah that's right in yeah, there they use his energy very well but buried under massive makeup so i feel like tim i was thinking about tim curry the other day because it is out now the remake yeah. and they were saying like you know um he was just so i haven't seen it because i don't do <laughs> scary movies but the you know the review was saying like that you know the new Pennywise is great too but like yeah. Tim Curry could do so much with his face mm-hmm. and I was like wow I didn't even know that was Tim Curry and I was like Tim Curry's been in everything yeah he's had a huge he's career had a phenomenal career mm-hmm. and yeah in Legend like he's he's the devil he's like the makeup design is terrifying and he's. He's a terrifying devil man. Um, so yeah, uh, legend feels very similar high concept fantasy yeah. to me. Um, and really just any of those sort of 80s uh, sword and sandal or otherwise fantasy action movies is, are going to deliver at least some of the dumbest rocks goods that Highlander does. Mm-hmm. I think Highlander is one of the most effective delivery mechanisms, but you've got your Beastmasters, your He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, your Willows. Um, if you name it, Walt wants to, like little Walt wants to watch it on a Saturday morning or at a sleepover that, or something. I, I feel like that reminds me of like also um, the Hercules Xena. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a good yeah. recommendation. And also, so um, shout out to our friend Maria, um, Sinbad, which was another one like right. that, which... Like, ran for, like, one or two seasons, but has that same totally awful production value. Yep, super low production. Yeah, like, real cheesy, mm-hmm. but, like, it had a special place in my heart in, like, whatever, sixth grade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, any of these, the more practical effects and um, crummy-looking New York streets and ridiculous mythologies, the better. Um, the Highlander series uh, is also just crazy and goofy. Uh, the TV series, they made a TV show of it um, and managed to adapt the vague 
and sort of frustrating mythology that the film sets up into a pretty fun like adventure of the week kind of setup um, with some fun surprises and then a special shout out to the sequel to Highlander um, which is set in 2024 oh. and is about like holes in the ozone layer oh. and super crazy sci-fi stuff and Michael Ironside cutting off Christopher Lambert's finger partially um, it is like maybe one of the most bonkers sequels when you look at it as having sprung from the series of Highlander because they were like oh I guess he's mortal at the end of the first one what are we gonna do and the answer is go insane uh so yeah Highlander 2 check it out it's really really delightfully ridiculous and totally not at all on brand with what Highlander sets up but it's fun yeah um I feel like if you really enjoyed the the Scotland part of this movie, mm-hmm. like you should watch the Out- Outlander TV show. Oh, yeah. Because it's also sci-fi and Scotland and Jamie, who's like the beefcake of the Outlander world, like yeah. seems like he's contractually obligated to take his shirt off. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah. And that's a fun series from a female perspective as well. Yeah, that's true. And mm-hmm. like, you know, takes its sci-fi a little more seriously. Yeah. I think actually you pointed out tonight that um, I feel like, Outlander, really, at the end of the day, is the crossover point of Magic Mike and Highlander. Oh, totally. Because, again, Jamie's like, I need to take my shirt off. Yeah, hello. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, very, very good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, go watch a cheesy 80s movie. You won't regret yeah. it, unless you don't like those movies, and then you'll probably you, regret you, it. And even if you like them, you might regret it a little. A little bit. Yeah. Make sure you you have a beer on hand. Um, but, yeah, uh, Annie, if people want to find more crossover appeal content with beer or without, yeah, um, what can they do? Um, they can go to crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com where all of our episodes are listed and we reblog things and share gifts and stuff. It's real fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want to email us your thoughts on what types of furniture you think Mike would buy yeah. and sell through his fence, Connor McLeod. And make. Yeah. You can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to tell us what the quickening is, is to and you. what the gifts are yeah what <laughs> what the prize is what the prize or the prize i'm sorry just explain the end of highlander yeah to us, please. um and if you've written any um phd theses on the immortality in fiction as it relates to highlander and tuck everlasting mm-hmm. you can share that on our facebook group um which is at crossover appeal podcast yeah i would want to read that very much um if you just want to tweet gifts of uh of Tatum dancing, guys yeah, yeah right that's cool whatever um you can tweet to us at crossover appeal and uh, most importantly, if you like what you hear, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a rating and review. Yay, ratings. Yeah. And, um, if you really enjoyed that milk pun. Yeah, please tell us how much <laughs> yeah, you enjoyed the magic milk pun. If you did not enjoy the magic milk pun, well, you just wait for next week. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have another one cooked up <laughs> <Yeah>. for you. <laughs> Um, but in the meantime, we should really get to work thinking that up. Yeah. Uh, so it's an early night for us. Um, everybody, it is, thank you very much for joining us. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, <laughs> well, to talk at you. At you. At you. Yeah. Whether you want it much or not. Much like toxic masculinity, men often talk at you and not with you. Well, actually, Annie, there's uh-huh. some very notable differences. Uh-huh. <laughs> everybody, uh, until two weeks from now, this has been Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly. <laughs> <laughs>